So today I'm going to be preaching on <clears throat> Matthew 18.3. This is a verse that, you know, many of us have probably read. And, and it's one of those things. It was about three months ago. I've read this verse hundreds of times, I'm sure. Uh, but it was one of those special times when I was reading along and I read it and the Holy Spirit said, shh, stop. Go back and read it again. I've got something for you here. Man, that's so cool when that happens. Isn't it amazing that God's Word is not just words on a page, it's living and breathing and moving and changing and alive. And when the Holy Spirit, if we allow Him to speak to us and show us things out of His Word, you can read the same thing a hundred times and then see something completely different out of it. And that was one of these cases. So this is not... Remember we went through the IF series a while ago here? It was a long series. The IFs, the conditional promises of God. All the places in the Bible where He says, if you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll... Which is great. It's like a roadmap for life. I mean, we don't have to stumble around wondering what God wants us to do. And it's, every decision we make, we can see in there there's consequences and rewards for everything we do. I love the IF series. It was really encouraging and really enlightening to me. So this is not an IF. It's an UNLESS. And so I almost talked to Pastor Mike about including it in the IF series because it's kind of the same thing. And then I said, nah, I'm going to save it for when you're gone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that in Florida. So, so this has been brewing in me for a while, uh, this whole verse. So let's pray again, and then we're going to read it and see what God has for us. All right. Praise you, God, again, for your goodness, for your word that you give us to teach us more about you. And today, I just pray that you'd help us to get to know you just a little bit better. And just a little bit more today, help us to understand your word uh, and open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew 18.3. Here's what it says. And he said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Never enter. That's pretty serious, isn't it? As I read that, that struck me. It said, hey, if you don't do this, you're never going. How many want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, of course. I mean, that's the ultimate thing, right? That's, that's why we serve Christ, and, and that's what he wants for us. But unless you change and become like a children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, I guess we better figure this out, right? What did he mean by changing and becoming like a little child? What could that possibly mean? I feel a little bit like Nicodemus when Jesus said, you must be born again. What did he say? I, I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born again. What are you talking about? That's why I feel, you know, I can't shrink down and be a little munchkin running around again. I, nor do I want to. I don't want to be in diapers again. Although, if I live long enough, I, I probably will be. Reality, right? It's just the way it is. So I'll, I'll probably end up again in, in diapers, but a long ways off, a long ways off. So what does it mean then if we can't shrink? How do we become like a little child? What did he really mean? So I started thinking, what's my closest reference to this? When I'm trying to figure something out in the Bible, I go, okay, God, what is familiar to me that I can understand? So how, how does a child act? How does a child react to things? And my closest reference to this right now is this. My grand. That's my granddaughter, Petra Maple. And uh, I'm not a proud grandpa or anything, as you can tell. I'm just putting pictures up there. So, so. Um, 
No, she is incredible. I love it. And I tell you what, I love being a grandpa. It is a great... It, how many are grandparents here? It's the greatest thing in the world, isn't it? Amen. You know what I love the best about it? I've said this before. I'll say it over and over again. Oh, I have my grandbaby. She's wonderful. Hey, your baby's diaper is dirty. <laughs> oh, she's crabby. I think she wants her mom. Yeah. It's, it's all the joys of having a kid without the work, isn't it? It's great. Spoil them rotten and send them home. So she's my pride and joy. I'm having a blast. And to me, that was my closest reference to what is a child like. And so I'm going to use her as an example a few times here today because um, it's familiar to me. So the other thing I did is I dug back to some of the original translations. I went to the Amplified Bible because that brings out some different meanings sometimes. I uh, dug into the disciples' literal New Testament and went, what did Jesus really say here? What did, what did he really mean? You know what I found out? He said, unless you change and become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Real helpful. But that's a good thing because that means we have a good, clean, true translation of what Jesus said. That is what he said, period. And so that's great. Now, in the process of that, through the Amplified Bible and some other things, and not only this verse, there's another place in Scripture in the New Testament where Jesus talked about us becoming like a little child. And we'll look at that a little later, too. This is in Matthew 18. That was in Matthew 19, a whole different situation. And that situation was also recorded in Mark and Luke in almost identical wording. It's, it's really cool. It's uh, recorded three times there. So we'll look at that as well. But in this one especially, there's some other things that I pulled out of it. And through all of that, I found four things, four ways that we need to become like a little child. Uh, so we'll take a look at that and figure out what that is. The first one was... A child has complete and total trust, don't they? It's just the way it is. I, I, I'll use Petra as an example. I can be playing with her and swinging her around. I can throw her up in the air and catch her and throw her up in there. She's just giggling and laughing, and it's a great time, right? There's, she's not going, wow, it's a long way down to that floor. What if I crash? What if Grandpa drops me? Ah, not a bit. It's all giggles and fun. Why? Grandpa's got me. He's not going to drop me. Total and complete trust. That's how we need to become like a child. That's how we need to see our Heavenly Father. Now, there are moments in her eyes when it's like, whoa, I just came this close to the ceiling, but then it's all giggles again, right? So there's a moment of fear there, and I really can relate to that in my relationship with God too. Because if you're like me, there's times when I'm like, really, God, you really threw me this high? Are you kidding? You're letting me go through this? There's a lot of situations in life when it's like, wow, why is God letting me? But then we have to come back to that complete trust like a little child. Oh, yeah, he's got me. It's all right. We're going to get through this. The complete trust of a little child. Got to get there. The second thing is, uh, and we're going to, I think this is the main thing that Jesus was saying to his disciples in this particular situation in, in Matthew 18, 3. So to get some context, we're going to go back and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. What was the situation here? What were the disciples talking about? Why did Jesus say this to them at this particular time? And I think this is the main thing he was saying in this particular instance. So we'll read it. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So they're talking among themselves trying to figure out who's greater. 
I can imagine him, you know, you know what? Jesus said I'm his favorite disciple. I'm going to be the one sitting at his right hand. And probably another one said, are you kidding? I brought way more people to Jesus than you did. I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And probably another one said, are you nuts? I've been in jail way more times than you. I got beaten left for dead three times. I'm going to be his favorite. I'm going to be at the right hand of Jesus. So they're trying to figure this out. So they come to Jesus, and here's what he says. He called a little child, it says a little child, and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And there it is. But imagine this. They're talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They come before him, and he's like, the greatest? Are you kidding me? If you don't change, you're not even going to heaven. That had to be a shock to them. They're his disciples. They've been serving him and doing all this stuff and worrying about who's going to be who in heaven. And he says, unless you change and become like a little child, you're not even going to be in heaven. Wow, that had to be a shocker to him. But then that's the key. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Don't be worrying about who's going to be greatest. You better humble yourself. So what does it mean to humble yourself? And if you were here in one of the sermons of the If series that I did, I talked about this too. Um, the, liter- the textbook translation or definition of humble is having or showing a modest or lower estimate of one's own importance. Lower in dignity or importance. Okay, lower than who or what. Well, it's talking about putting ourselves in the proper place compared to God. And it sounds silly, but there's a lot of times when we really feel like we are equal to God, maybe, or we don't want to obey or listen to him or place ourselves under his authority. That can be a tough one for some people. might make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Wait a minute, I'm in charge of my own life. But we need to put ourselves under his authority. We need to humble ourselves and realize it's that father-child relationship. Just like a child, a little child. Now, I want to make it clear, he's not talking about once they grow up and start to have other ideas and get too smart for their own good, right? He's talking about a little child when they're still... And they respect and look up to their parents most of the time, right? You know, if they're in trouble or something, whoa, they look to mom and dad. Humble yourself. Put yourself in that correct child-parent relationship with God, understanding that he's God, I'm not. The truth is, he created everything just like that. He created you. He created me. How can we begin to think we're equal? And today's society, that's kind of an issue because I see over and over and over again people who have their ideas of who they think God should be and what he should do, right? I don't think a loving God would send people to hell. Well, you can think that all you want. Well, I think God would accept everybody and just it'd be fine. And and I think God should be, I don't think God should do that. You can think all you want, but facts are facts, and it doesn't change who God is, right? And who we are in relationship to God. That's a tough one, but we've got to understand humble ourselves, put ourselves in the correct position under God's authority. Here's the cool thing when you place yourself under God's authority, you're placing yourself under God's care. And wow, when you understand what kind of a father he is, that's easy. That's easy. It's easy to come under submission and authority of somebody who loves and cares for you that deeply and wants nothing but the best for you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well.
So it's placing ourselves under God's authority and care, and that's important. The third thing I saw is children are natural forgivers, aren't they? They're naturally little kids, just seem to be natural forgivers. My daughter, Lana, who is actually Petra's mom, 26 years old now, but when she was little one time, I remember we were all gone somewhere as a family. I don't know if we were coming home from church or from somewhere, but we were all together and um, coming in the door one evening, and Lisa and the kids went in the door first, and they're kicking their shoes off, and I came in the door, and I turned around, and I closed the door, and I heard, Daddy, 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 and I looked, and here my daughter, Lana, when she was taking her shoes off, put her hand on the doorpost, decide where the hinges, you know, the door closes. So her fingers were in there, so when the door closed, it squished her finger. Oh, man, you know what that does to a parent? My heart just dropped. And uh, opened the door as fast as I could. Do you suppose she was mad at me? Wouldn't talk to me for a while? Well, no. Little cards, she came right to me. Oh, Daddy, my fingers are in the door. Ready to comfort me, you know? It's okay, Daddy, you didn't mean. Instead of the other way around. Children are naturally forgiving. They're just like, how many have ever worked in a daycare or been in a nursery and seen a whole bunch of kids together, right? Well, then you've probably seen this. You've got a bunch of kids playing around. One grabs a toy and smacks the other one over the head or something or kicks him or who knows what. And, oh, the kid's crying and screaming. But what happens two minutes later once they quit crying and get over it? Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. They go back to playing together. Usually, don't they? They don't go, I'm not playing with you. You hit me. They, I mean, kids are just naturally, most of them anyway, are natural forgivers. And to be like a child, we've got to be natural forgivers. We have to have that same simplistic, not he wronged me, she wronged me, simplistic forgiving. And of course, there, that gets into a whole other thing, not to be a continual victim or whatever if somebody is abusing you, but be a forgiver and let things go. There's a reason that this is extremely, extremely important. And we see that in 1 Corinthians, right? Sorry, I lost my place in my notes here. No, in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Um, just, just after Jesus uh, gave us the Lord's Prayer and told the disciples how we should pray, and then he says this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, that's another harsh one that's pretty important, right? We won't enter the kingdom of heaven unless we change. We're not going to. And if we don't forgive others, he won't forgive us. Well, that keeps us from going into heaven, right? Because sin can't be in heaven. Sounds harsh, but there's a reason for it. Because when you're not forgiving something, that's, that's continually sinning. God can't forgive you until you repent and turn from your sin. But if you continue in that and don't forgive him and hold on to it, you're continuing. God, God's hands are tied. He may love you and want to forgive you. But you can't because you're choosing. It's the same thing. You're choosing to let go of his hand. You're choosing to continually sin. Forgiveness is really important, and it's a tough one too. But the thing is, it hurts you more than it hurts the other person. And it stops you in that relationship with God. It stops his mercy and grace from flowing. And it got to learn to be forgiving like a little child. That's simplistic. I'm sorry. It's okay. Go play together or do whatever, you know. So we've got to be forgiving. That's important. 
Number four, the fourth way we need to become like a child. A child is completely dependent on someone else, right? Helpless without someone else. My granddaughter, Petra, again, is, um, that's her devilish look. <laughs> it looks like she's getting into trouble there. I don't know. She, she can't go to the store and shop and get some groceries and come home and make herself some food, right? Of course not. She can't get a job to pay for the car to go to the store in the first place. She can't grow her own garden and make her own food. Somebody has to prepare it for her. Now, she's getting pretty good at shoveling it all in by herself, but... Still, someone has to prepare it and cut it up for her and give it to her. She's completely dependent on someone else, right? She can't buy a house or rent a house, give herself shelter. There, no way. A little child is completely dependent on someone else for their survival and for food and for everything else. We need to be completely, 100% dependent on our Heavenly Father. It's really important in so many areas of life even in, as a pastor, it's so important to work in his strength and not mine. Rod Loy spoke down at Equip and, and preached on the verse that says, Are you so foolish that the work that began in the Spirit you're now trying to do in the flesh? It's got to be his power. It's got to be his Spirit doing stuff through. We try and, as a pastor, if I, there's so many good things I can do. I'm telling you, I am busy throughout the week, and I'm doing and doing and doing and doing, and it'd be, it's so easy to be doing, 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 doing on my own. And then it gets all messed up. It's just not good. We've got to be completely dependent on God for everything in so many areas of our life and and to be aware of that, that we can't be trying to do it on our own. Got to be like the child stopping and saying, okay, Daddy, am I making the right move? Where should I go here? Stop. Look to your father. Put yourself in that child position and look to his direction. Otherwise, you just keep on going and maybe into a dangerous area. So what's the number one way, the number one thing that we have to be dependent on God for? Salvation, right? So I got a question for you, and it kind of has two answers. Can we ever be good enough for God? On our own? No. Just can't. He's holy and pure and perfect, and we're not. We're human beings born into sin. We just can't. And... Is there anyone here who has never sinned? Of course not. And we'll sin again. It's just human nature. We'll try not to, of course. And yet, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. That's eternal death in hell. So the penalty for it, if you sin, is so, wait a minute, I deserve death in hell because I've sinned and will again probably, even though I'll try not to. Can't do it. Can you ever be good enough to get into heaven? You can't. We have to be completely dependent on God for our salvation. And that's just one, the major one, but one way that we need to be dependent on Him. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The cool thing is, if we go back to Romans 6.23, what's the rest of that verse? It says, The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for that. It's a gift. So God gives us a gift. So again, going back to being like a child, how does a child receive a gift? Hmm, should I take it or not? (laughs) 
I don't know what's in it. It might not be anything good. It's from Grandpa, so I don't know. What's the catch? Hmm. You ever see a child do that? Never. Do we do that as adults? Good things from God. Well, I don't know. Should I give my life to God? I know he said to do that, but what's the catch? Should I? We need to become like a child and receive the gifts he gives us like a child. Man, oh man, if our granddaughter gets a present from grandpa and grandma, woohoo, tear this thing open. Let's see what it is. This is great. This is going to be awesome. Like a little child is how we have to receive them. And that really became apparent in the second record of Jesus talking about um, becoming like little children, because really that's what he was talking about in Matthew 19 and then in Mark and in Luke. We're going to look at the record in Mark. It's Mark 10, verses 13 through 16, where this other time when people were bringing children to him. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Whoever will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, like a little child getting a gift. woo Clean slate. No preconceived notions. No worries. Thank you, Lord. I'm taking it. We have to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. So does that mean that we just receive everything and, well, okay, uh, blindly follow, throw caution to the wind? Of course not. But the things that we know are God's precepts and we know that are God's gifts to us, no question. I'm open to it and give it to me, God. Uh, there's an instance where in the church of Corinth was kind of getting out of hand. They were just not handling things right. There was nothing organized, nothing in, in order in their church services. They were just like, yeah, whatever, receiving everything in the wrong way like a little child and just let anything happen. And there's just confusion and stuff going on. And so Paul told them this in Corinthians fourteen twenty. He said, brothers, stop thinking like children. Well, wait. Jesus just said you have to become like a little child. And now they're saying stop thinking. Well, okay, different this is where people get confused and say there's all these contradictions in the Bible. Well, not really. This is a completely different scenario, and he's talking about something different. In regard to evil, be infants. Yes, be innocent. But in your thinking, be adults. He's saying don't throw common sense out the window. Openly receive the gifts of God, but know what's good and know what's bad. Uh, and that seems contradictory, but it's really not. Here's what happens. When you receive the gift of God openly like a little child, you crawl up on his lap and say, yep, I'm yours, and you put yourself, humble yourself under his authority and under his care, he gives you wisdom, right? If your child is walking towards a hot stove, what do you do? Stop. What do they do? They look, hmm. God's going to do the same thing to you if you put yourself under his care. Don't you think so? He loves you, Right? So the key is to be like a little child under him and stop and listen. Oh, he said that's bad. I want to do it, but he said, eh, okay, so I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to listen. I'm the child. He's the father. I'm under his authority and submission, right? Uh, so that's key. Coming before God with a, with a blank slate is really important, like a little child. When my kids were little, uh, there was a lot of times where it just it freaked me out. <laughs> 
I'm responsible for these two human beings. What, what, what are they going to be like? What are they going to grow up to be? What, you know, are they going to be good people? Hopefully. And what are they going to do with their lives? And it just it can cause some anxiety as a parent sometimes, can it? They're, they're a blank slate. And they're looking to me to direct them in their lives. Yikes. Well, now, like I said, Lana's 26 and married, has a baby. And another one on the way, by the way. Yeah, in November, Petra will have a little baby brother or sister, and I'll have two grandkids, and that'll be a blast. So there she is, all growing up with a wonderful husband and a great career, and things good. My son is 24, living on his own, got a good career, things are going, things are good now. Looking back, now, that wasn't so hard. But at that time, when they're little, it's a clean slate, right? And we need to be like that little child with a clean slate, saying, God, what do you have for me? Because he's got it all figured out. He sees the future and what he has for us. So that's important. If you submit yourselves to God, put him under his care, he'll point you in the right direction, he'll give you wisdom, he'll give the guidance of a father, just like, uh, just like he should. I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to address something here because this can be really hard. We're talking, all of this is about the father-child relationship. And I know there's got to be a lot of you in this room that did not have a good example of a father or a mother or a parent or an adult relationship of any kind. And so it's really hard to grasp what in the world is a good father. What does that mean? And so it can be negative. It's like, ooh, he's going to be my father. It might be bad. It's really a tough thing sometimes. So I want to address that because I want to tell you that God is a good, good father. And if you could imagine for me, if you will, in your mind, the most gracious, loving, caring, providing father you could ever imagine. Times that, times about a thousand. And that's our God. He would never do you harm. He loves you so much. He wants nothing but the greatest thing in the world for you. He's a loving, great father. Crawl up in his lap and be his child. So, I wanted to read several verses that give us an idea of how God envisions us as his children, how he envisions the family unit, how he envisions the parent-child relationship. And some of these are like David talking to the children of Israel and stuff, but it's a good indication of how God sees us. So we're going to start with Isaiah forty-nine, eighteen. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your sons gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. So that in, in his eyes is the ultimate picture of a father. His kids are your ornament. You wear them. It's like Petra is my pride and joy. You are that to God, your father. He wears you like ornaments. He's proud of you. He loves you. You're his child. You're his ornaments. Philippians 2, 15 and 16 says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. We're his stars. We're his children. Man, we put pictures on the refrigerator of our kids and everything, we're proud of them. We're his stars, the ornaments that he wants to wear that shine in the midst of a dark world. He's so proud of you. That's what you are to God, your heavenly Father. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Jeremiah 3.19. This is God talking to the nation of Israel when they had turned away from him and, and lost their way and gone away. 
He says, I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like sons and give you a desirable land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn from following me. That's his desire for his children, to give you the most wonderful inheritance possible, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. Your pride, his pride and joy, that's how he sees you. That's how he sees me as his children. That's pretty incredible. That's beautiful. Beautiful picture. Then we're going to read Psalm 131. This is, man, in many ways, my all-time favorite chapter in the Bible, when you really begin to grasp what it says. We're going to read the whole chapter, all three verses. It's a short one. Um, But this is actually David talking to the children of Israel when, again, they were in turmoil and they were worrying about what to do and what's going on and everything. And this is how he speaks of how his relationship with his father is and how they should should approach this situation and see their God. Remember, David was the poet, the songwriter that wrote most of the Psalms, so he was the poet guy and wrote all these beautiful things and taught us how to really praise and worship our God. Many of our songs that we sing, a lot of the lines come from Psalms and from the things that David wrote. Uh, So it's pretty neat. He says, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. A lot of versions say, or things too big for me to understand. So I'm not proud. I don't concern myself with great things that are just too big for me to understand, too much. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Go back to verse 2. Like a weaned child. A lot of versions also say, like a child who is done nursing and is content in his mother's arms. That's a nice picture, isn't it? Don't you love that, moms? Isn't that cool? And they're just content resting in your arms. Or, or fathers, usually when they're tired, the kids find, when they just want to crawl up on your lap and cuddle and be content in your arms. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God wants for us, and this is what David is saying. Hey, there's turmoil and everything. Don't concern yourself with things that are too big for you to understand. Crawl up in your daddy's lap. Rest. Be content. He's got you. Grandpa's got you. you know, it's, it's fine. It's all good. That's how he sees his relationship with us. That's what he wants for us. But we've got to become like a child and do that and become under his submission and his care and be forgiving and loving and fully trusting in order for that to happen, to have that kind of intimate relationship with our creator. It's what he created us for, is to have that kind of relationship with him. Finally, I'm going to read, excuse me, finally I'm going to read 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2. There's a couple of things in here that I really, really love. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. The coolest thing is, and what we will be has not yet been made known. We know that when he appears, we're going to know him fully. But what is, what is to be and what we will be has not yet been made known. We are children of God, 
And he's got great plans for you for the rest of your life. And I don't care if you're 85 years old or if you're five years old. God has great plans for the rest of your life. He says so right here. Hey, what will be has not yet been made known. If we will just crawl up in his lap and rest in his arms and look to him for guidance and become the child-father relationship, he's got great plans for you. And you know, I'm a great example of that myself. I'm almost 50 years old, and if you would have told me two years ago I was going to be a pastor, I would have said, you're crazy. I had a great career going. Things are going great. Good plans for the future. Life was good. I didn't want to be a pastor. But suddenly God said to me, Larry, I'm setting you up. That was about four years ago. And I'm like, for what? And then he slowly began to reveal to me over the last 20 plus years how he'd put me here, put me here. He allowed me to go through this to prepare me for this so that I could go through this. He put these people in my life. He even, for a year, year and a half before I ever had the notion of being a pastor, I was taking ministerial classes. Well, just to dig in deeper to God's word, I would never want to be a licensed pastor or anything. But, And then he said, huh, yeah, here's why I had you doing that. Here's the opportunity. Now quit your job and be a pastor. And of course, like a good kid, I said, no. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. I got a good thing going here. But as he revealed more and more and more how he had this thing planned all along and just worked everything out, put everything in place, He's a good father. I said, yeah, of course I will, Dad. And I get to be involved in changing people's lives. Wow. If you follow that plan and you rest in his plan, it will be the greatest life you could ever dream up. He's got wonderful plans for you, every one of you, because he's your father. Crawl up in his lap and rest in his arms. He's got you. Become like a little child. I'm going to have the prayer team come, teams come down now. God is good, amen? He's a good, good, good father. Rest in his arms. Maybe you're here today and you have no idea what that means to have that one-on-one intimate relationship with your creator. It's what he created you for. That's what we, were all, we all have that, that desire in us, that God-shaped hole, as I've heard it described in us, that we desire something and try and fill it with all kinds of things, but it's God-shaped and only He will fill it because He created you to have that one-on-one father-child relationship with Him. If you don't know what that is, come on down and pray with these guys. Ask them questions. They're smart people. They'll talk to you. They'll take care of you. Or maybe there's something else that struck you today that's like, Father, I need to... Something's in the way holding me back from that intimate one-on-one relationship. Maybe you need to learn to forgive more like a little child. That's a tough thing. That can be really hard. But boy, it hurts you more than it hurts somebody else if you're not forgiving someone. It stops you from fulfilling what God has for you. It stops that relationship. We've got to be forgiving like a little child. Maybe you have trouble completely trusting him like a little child and letting yourself go. Come on forward and get prayer. He wants you to be in that kind of relationship with him. So I'm going to close in prayer. Come on down and get prayer. I encourage you to just uh, let God be your father and do his thing in your heart today. Praise you, God. Thank you, Father, that you are a good, good father. I thank you for your direction, for your guidance, for your love for us. But it's our choice. We can hold your hand or we can let go and get distracted and go another way. But Lord, I just pray that today 
you would impress on us to dig in just every day just to get to know you just a little bit more. God, you're a big God, sometimes hard to understand. Your word, your Bible, there's so much in there and it's hard to understand sometimes. But God, just one little piece at a time, reveal yourself to us, Lord. And I just ask you to be with everyone here today. Give us direction and protection as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much.